This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Hi, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Thursday, January 12th. The weather forecast, we've got some weather coming our way, definitely some significant rainfall expected to start later on this afternoon and into the evening. Today's high is plus 5 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, Police document a night of mayhem that is connected to a teen stabbing murder. Number two, North American Airlines are struggling this morning to recover from a day of travel chaos. Number three, Southern Ontario in line for some pretty serious rain. Number four, the Brownies are now the Embers. And number five, the music world remembers guitarist Jeff Beck. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I mean, it's a sad occasion in the passing of Jeff Beck, but what a great way to begin the show this morning with a fantastic riff and a tribute to one of rock and roll's greatest guitarists. It's one of those parlor games, I guess, that people will always play, you know, who's the greatest vocalist, who's the greatest guitarist, but Jeff Beck will always be in the top five. And he passed away yesterday at the age of 78. But here we are on a Thursday morning, January 12th. It's three degrees above zero right now. And we will pay tribute, definitely, to Jeff Beck on the show this morning. Nick Marano, maybe we can just prioritize a lot of our bumper music today to um, emphasize. Jeff Beck's kind of an interesting you know, pop culture figure, because, you know, somebody can easily say, here's what Jimmy Page did, or here's a song by, um, you know, one one of the great all-time guitarists. But Jeff Beck was, I, I mean, you wouldn't call him a session musician necessarily, but he wasn't associated with one major act through his career. So, um, he's, he's a bit harder to get a fix on. Okay. So uh, a lot of things to talk about this morning, obviously. And, uh, the first thing would be, we got some weather coming our way as grandma used to say, uh, we have a special weather statement and we have significant rainfall expected tonight. It'll start late this afternoon, rain, probably transitioning to snow, by tomorrow morning because look at it we're at three degrees above zero right now and today's high is reaching for the weather forecast which he stores on top of the printer uh today's high is uh, five degrees plus five degrees so anything coming down from the skies is going to be fairly innocuous aside from the fact that you got to walk the dog in the rain but the overnight the temperature is expected to go down and so you will probably wake up to some snow on the ground tomorrow. We're not pressing the panic button just yet. Um, you know, all you need to know is you'll probably have to clear something off the car tomorrow morning and it'll be a fairly wet and slushy commute, but we'll keep our eyes on that situation. And as I always say, as we approach a storm system, we get to know more about it. 
and so we have a better impression of what it is going to turn into. So you want to be listening to The Rush this afternoon, and we'll have a much more accurate forecast. And then tomorrow morning, we'll wake you up. And even before you, you open your eyes and stare out the window and try to establish what the day holds for you, you know, tomorrow morning we'll be there for you to let you know what kind of a, an issue it could or could not be. 5.10 is the time, and what a fascinating, frightening, disturbing, unfortunate account there is of this evening of mayhem. You would have heard in the 5 a.m. news with Jess Garen Cooner. We're talking about the night, December 17th, where 59-year-old Ken Lee was stabbed and murdered, allegedly by a group of eight teenage girls aged 13 to 16. And now police are painting a somewhat more accurate and disturbing portrait of what was going on. And apparently there was a whole series of attacks that night at multiple subway stations. Uh, victims assaulted at five downtown subway stations between 10 p.m. and midnight. And this all in the hours before Ken Lee would be swarmed and murdered. Again, allegedly by this group of teenage girls. And, you know, I I was saying this earlier this week about the six-year-old boy who shot his, his school teacher. And I thought, how does that, you know, what do you do if you are the mother or father to that child? And you have to go to the police station and pick this kid up and take them home. And in the case of a six-year-old, they will never face any consequences. In the case of this 13 to 16-year-old girl, some of them are probably going to the clink. But, you know, how do you face that child at the breakfast table in the morning? How do you tuck them in at night? Do you read them a bedtime story after they shot their teacher and almost killed her? What do you do with these 13-year-old girls where you thought your biggest issue was going to be an argument over when they get their ears pierced or do they have a boyfriend and what are they up to? And now you know that they're associated with a cold-blooded murder. Um, and then also, you know, I guess I just I want to know more about how something like this happens. So I hope that in addition to the criminal investigation and the prosecutorial case that is going to be prepared against these girls, I want to know how this happened. How did they find each other? How did they hook up? Who thought it was a good idea that they all head downtown to a subway station and uh, get together? Who decided that instead of maybe some underage drinking, what they really needed to do was create mayhem and maybe kill somebody, allegedly? It's, it's a disturbing situation. And while I am not one of those people who gets into, you know, concern trolling, like, well, this is, you know, all 13-year-old girls are going to be trouble. No, this is a particular situation. We got to figure out what happened, how they found each other, how they got together, how they all decided that they would engage in, uh, you know, this kind of troublemaking. I have to also imagine that probably it's it could easily boil down to just one person who is the problem and the rest of them were associated with it, in which case you still have to figure out how did you get involved in this and um, how did you decide that you wanted to continue to be involved in this? You know, when you met up at the first subway station and engaged in some kind of a swarming operation with some innocent civilians, why did you continue to do that? 
And why did you not say, you know what, I this is not me. I'm out of here. I'm just I'm getting on the subway. I'm going home. Uh, we'll know very, very soon if the air travel chaos that prevailed yesterday in the United States is going to be repeated today. In all likelihood, everything's going to be more or less normal. However, the big problem is when you have one of those days where things go south, then you have to recover from that by you know, taking all the people who were supposed to fly yesterday and hopefully getting them on a plane today. So today will probably still be a problem. But this also continues to be one of those funny situations where we're learning stuff. And everybody sounds like they're an expert, but let's face it, had you heard of the NOTAM system before yesterday? It's called Notice to Air Missions. And apparently this is the software platform that pilots use in order to plot things and that airlines use in order to schedule things. And it all came to a crash yesterday, and that is why people in the U.S. and Canada were thrown into absolute chaos. So like I said, we will track that situation from our newsroom this morning, and uh, hopefully they get back on top of the situation today. All right, time for what Toronto is talking about with News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, good morning to you. Uh, let's start with this uh, pretty alarming news. Police now say a group of teenage girls attacked people at several TT stations. And, you know, coincidentally, or we don't know why or what yet, but this was the same night that Ken Lee was fatally stabbed near University in New York just a week before Christmas. Yeah, we're getting a much more accurate portrait of what may have been going on. You have to remember, these girls, apparently, um, none of this has been proven in court, but these girls met up online. Some of them didn't even know each other. They end up meeting in downtown Toronto, and the evening culminates in the stabbing death of a 59-year-old man named Ken Lee. And police, as mentioned, are now painting a portrait of how there were a series of assaults on people happening at uh, several subway stations, Queen's Park, St. Patrick, Osgood, St. Andrew, and Union Station. So, you know, so many unanswered questions here, and one doesn't necessarily want to suggest that there's some sort of a pattern here that all teenage girls are running amok. Mm -hmm. But you have to wonder, how do these girls meet? How did they come to the idea that they would all get together downtown? And how did it all end in the murder of a 59-year-old man? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Okay, we'll be following that story. And John, uh, the sister of Alnaz Hajj Tamiri, you know, the abducted woman uh, in Wasaga Beach, says the family still has hope, even one year after she is still missing. Police are expected to provide an update today. We'll be painting a portrait of this on our show today with uh, uh, Mark Mendelson, a former homicide investigator for Toronto Police Service, who is our crime specialist and frequently appears with you guys on CP24. But yeah, it's one year year after this woman was abducted from her home by three people who were disguised as police officers. It's an insane case. The family, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. remains optimistic that she is still alive. But a year later, one has to wonder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, and we broke the news yesterday on CP24 Breakfast about the FAA's uh, NOTAM system going down. That's the pilot notification system. There was an outage. This impacted thousands of U.S. flights and also affected people here in Canada, of course. 
There were 21,000 flights scheduled to take off in the United States on Wednesday. Many of them did not get off the ground. There were interruptions, as you guys were reporting from Pearson Airport for Canadian travelers to the U.S. Uh, so what's going to happen today is presumably the system has been restored, so things are going to get back to normal. However, there's a bunch of people who didn't fly yesterday who need to fly today. So it's probably going to be a bit of a chaotic day again. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly, especially after all that holiday chaos with lost baggage and delayed flights because of yeah. bad weather. Uh, but one's got to think, you know, if a computer glitch can just cause this massive system-wide outage, many people are saying, hey, maybe it's time for an upgrade. All right, turning to this, John, Toronto, <laughs> the GTA, to see significant rainfall. I'm sure our, our Bill Coulter will have more on this, but is it spring? What's going on? <laughs> well, I will yield to Bill in terms of mapping out exactly what we need to prepare ourselves for. In my own life, it's always about we got to walk the dog, right? So when do you want to try to avoid rain or snow? And this afternoon, it looks like we're going to have some pretty serious rain that will continue overnight and could develop into snow tomorrow morning. As mentioned, Bill Coulter will be the mm -hmm. uh, final authority on on this particular story but everybody needs to get ready for some pretty serious rain later on this afternoon and tonight yeah get your umbrellas ready okay and this is a pretty interesting yeah. john well we always end on an interesting special note there is a new name for the girl scout brownies they'll now be called embers yeah, they did a poll. I'm surprised it didn't become Brandy McBrownface because that's what <laughs> polls often lead to. But they were asked to choose between embers and comets, and the decision is it's going to be the embers. It's going to take a while to uh, transition over to this. And uh, you know what? I have no firm opinion on this. I didn't have a big objection to the idea of brownies, but apparently some people did. So now it's going to be embers. But I'm just happy that the scouting and guiding movement continues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the name brownies originated from some kind of like folklore about like a mythical creature. Kind of strange because when I think of brownies, yep. I just think of two bite brownies and I want to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, maybe there's a Girl Scout cookie, you know, treat relatability there. But Embers is very fitting. All right. News Talk 1010's John Moore. You can catch him live 5.07 a.m. to 9 a.m. Thanks, John. Have a great day. That's Jennifer Shung over at uh, CP24. And yeah, I... I Realize that some people may have a hot take on the new name for the brownies. I, I really don't care. I didn't see the need to change the name, but I also don't see necessarily that we could do an hour of talk radio about how, you know, the, other, the, the people are changing everything. Ah, big deal. So now they're the, they're the embers, which I find kind of weird, to be perfectly honest, but... I think the more important thing is, and I'd be interested in hearing from some of you about this. I don't know anymore how significant the guiding and scouting movement is. I was a, um, uh, I was a Boy Scout, and actually, I I was this close and making you know the the distance with my finger and thumb. I was almost a Governor General level Boy Scout because I got a whole whack of badges. I was just good at it. I would look through the scouting book and see what the badges were and think, I can do that one. I can do that one too. I can do that. Okay, we're good. And then I just kept getting them. So I got the gold chain and uh, then somehow fell short of getting to the absolute winner's circle as a Boy Scout. Um, but I enjoyed the movement. And my dad was one of the leaders in our um, cub troop. I always did find it a little weird that we had a 
severed wolf's head on the end of a stick that we had to uh, gather around. But I still, I'm a big believer in certain aspects of, you know, when, when kids are growing up that the, you know, the, the scouting movement and the guiding movement are helpful and, uh, and are still good in terms of sort of a, you know, being part of a collective. So, you know, I'm a big supporter of it, but I have no idea as to whether or not it is still actually something that the average parent thinks about. Okay, we got to get the kid into this. Just coming up to 529, so 60 seconds away from the half-hour headlines and a check on traffic. Things we'll be talking about on the show this morning, certainly the weather that is coming our way. You always want to be ready for that. It's not necessarily going to be that disruptive, but... If it's going to be heavy rain tonight and snow tomorrow morning, then at the very least, you want to be ready for it. Also on the show this morning, we'll we'll be talking with White House correspondent John Decker from NBC because the Three Amigos Summit has actually turned into a bit of a news event. And um, it was projected going into it that Canada was going to be a sidebar. And it's turned out there's a lot of things that are very, very relevant to Canadians uh, erupting from that summit. Uh, looking forward to a conversation this morning at 7.20 with Timothy Caulfield. And this pivots from something we were talking about on the show yesterday. And I've been very, very candid about the fact that it's started to get under my skin how much garbage is being promoted about COVID and vaccines on social media. So I thought, let's go to the guy whose whole ethos is debunking nonsense. And so we'll be talking with Timmy, Timothy Caulfield at um, 7.20, and he'll be on this bogus nonsense about the idea that people are dropping dead left, right, and center from heart attacks as a result of the vaccine. It's garbage. There is no evidence of it. As a matter of fact, the evidence mitigates against it. But that's never going to stop the promoters of nonsense. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Five thirty-seven. Who knew it could be such a triggering discussion? Who are the top guitarists of all time? Talking about the passing of Jeff Beck at seventy-eight. But I guess we got a lot of musicians. Maybe you're insomniacs. You had a gig last night, and you're up this morning, and you're listening. And I have all sorts of people picking a fight with me about, oh no, Jeff Beck. He's not in the top five. Hey, whatever. Let's uh, give him the honor he deserves, and we can leave the debate for another day about who the top five guitarists of all time may or may not be. We've got a uh, special weather statement for Toronto. I'm always cautious in in talking about a story like this. I mean, all I really want to do when we got weather coming our way, if it's going to be windy, if it's going to be extremely cold, if we're going to have snow, then I want you to be ready for it. But then there are, you know, in some quarters, there are people like, oh, you're just making a big deal out of something. It's no big deal. It's winter. Of course, it's going to be cold. Yes. However, um, maybe I'm of a mind, as I said in the first half hour of the show, that at the very least, we walk the dog four times a day at very regular intervals. There's one, you know, Mikey walks the dog while I'm doing the show. I walk the dog after lunch. I walk the dog again at the cocktail hour. Mikey takes the dog out at, um, you know, like 9 p.m., whatever. 
when you have rituals like that or your commute or whatever else it is you're going to be doing, maybe you're playing hockey in the outdoors, whatever, you would like to be ready for weather that is exceptional. We can phrase it that way. So um, we do have some exceptional weather apparently coming our way late this afternoon. Looks like rain is going to start. It's going to continue into the night hours at some point. As the temperature goes down, it's probably going to turn into snow. So we will probably wake up to some snow tomorrow. Sun is expected to come back on the weekend, which will be a welcome development because it's been a good long time. I guess on the weekend, this past weekend, we did see some sunshine. We had a nice uh, blue sky day. I forget which one it was. Um, but yeah, you want to be ready for the fact that the rains are going to come. So we'll probably give the dog an absolute marathon walk this afternoon after lunch, just to be prepared for the fact that tonight it's going to be a wet, soggy, smelly dog affair. So, uh, still waiting to determine and we'll know within the next couple of hours and we'll certainly share with you how much air traffic is going to be restored to whatever might be seen as normal. It's, I mean, honestly, for the last, what is it, six months, maybe more than that, I guess. I mean, like I stopped going to Pearson Airport in, I think the last time I've been there was in February. And then for whatever travel I was going to do, we tried to navigate out of the Island Airport because Pearson was such a, a screw up. But it wasn't unique to Pearson yesterday. There was air travel chaos all over the U.S., and partially over Canada, and it was owing to a software system that apparently is antiquated. I love how we all immediately become experts in something, you know, something we had never heard of before. All of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, yeah, everyone knows about the NOTAM system. Uh, it's kind of like the way we all became epidemiologists and uh, contagious disease experts in the last two and a half years. Um, so no, I had never heard of the notice to air missions. And I know my friend Bill is probably listening right now and he's a pilot and he'll go, Oh dude, I could tell you all about it, but it's abbreviated as NOTAM. And according to the accounts I'm looking at, it's an antiquated computer system and it collapsed yesterday. No evidence to this hour that this was deliberate, that this was the result of a hack, but doesn't matter. As we have learned over the last few months, all kinds of things that are absolutely critical to running an organization can collapse. And, you know, one of them was with, was it uh, Sunwing? Apparently for 10 years, people at Sunwing have been flagging the fact that they have this system that they use to assign crew and that it's antiquated and it's, it was prone to error. And then it actually ended up in a complete situation of collapse uh, during the Christmas season. And that's one of the many reasons why Sunwing was experiencing issues during the Christmas season. But listen, there were uh, 21,000 flights scheduled to take off in the U.S. yesterday and uh, about uh, 1,840. That's fairly precise, actually. 1,840 international flights were expected to fly into the U.S., and an awful lot of that stuff ended up in chaos yesterday. So the issue will be 
do they restore the system today? In all likelihood, they have, because even while we were on the air yesterday, they were projecting that sometime between about 9 and 10 a.m., they were going to have things back up and running. But then you get into the business of trying to recover from the mess that they had, and that is likely going to have a certain cascade effect today. As mentioned, we'll continue to track the story from our newsroom, and we'll let you know. And if you're flying today, just double check like anybody would. You know, you can go online and check the board and see if everything's okay with your flight. One of the stories we're going to be talking about on the show today will involve, I mean, it's an anniversary and a really tragic anniversary. Uh, OPP you know, began an investigation a year ago today, January 12th, 2022, when El Hashtamari uh, was abducted from a relative's house in West Saga Beach. She was abducted by three guys who were disguised as police officers. So you got to wonder what kind of plotting was involved in all of this. She was loaded into a white Lexus SUV and she has never been seen again. Her sister says, She's confident that she is still alive, but it's hard to believe that a year later, where has she been all of this time? But also, what happened? And why is it so difficult to determine what happened? Why are these three men uh, unaccounted for? Why is she unaccounted for? So we'll be talking with our crime specialist, a former homicide detective, so he knows a thing or two about the business. Um, Mark Mendelson is going to be here at uh, 6.35 to talk about this first anniversary. Meanwhile, there is good news to share. I always love sharing good news. Can you believe DeMar Hamlin was checked out of the hospital yesterday? This is a guy who under any other circumstances would be dead. He suffers cardiac arrest as a result of taking a hit to the chest, interrupts his heart rhythm, collapses. He's 24 years old, collapses on the field in Cincinnati. Somebody races out and does CPR. Then they use the defibrillator. The ambulance rushes him to the hospital. He's in the hospital in critical condition. They take him off the tube. They restore his you know, health signals. He gets transferred back to Buffalo. And I think that was yesterday that that happened. Gets to the hospital in Buffalo. They assess him and say, you're good to go. Now, who knows if he's ever going to play football again. But, you know, to return to the idea that this is a guy who under any other circumstances would have died at the age of 24. And now he's waking up in his own bed this morning. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Okay, so I will not profess to be an expert in Jeff Beck or any other guitarist, but if everything I've been reading, is, you know, works, I, he was mostly associated with the Yardbirds. Uh, he was a an artist who worked with all kinds of people, but that was a little bit of the Yardbirds. Nick Morano, I don't know if you have any major intelligence to offer on that that particular. Uh, um, observation. They're just all cool. I mean, never mind the, the beta who's the best guitarist. It's just great music to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. 
Jeff Beck passing away yesterday at the age of 78. And I guess we have to steel ourselves up, you know, not to not to be too grim, but a lot of the soundtracks to our lives. And for me, this is music that predates me, but that I fell in love with uh, when I was growing up, you know, the stuff from the 60s and the early 70s. And they ain't getting any younger. I mean, we were sitting at the dinner table last night talking about some of the all-time legends. And I think Paul McCartney is 80 now. John Lennon would have been 82. Uh, this, in, in just the last couple of days, um, David Bowie would have turned 75. But, you know, when you get into people like Keith Richards and, and various others who are all-time legends, and they're all in their mid to late 70s, then we kind of just got to prepare ourselves. All right. Enough of the depressing stuff for this time of day. Well, actually, no, because there's one other story I want to touch on. And I put this on the agenda for the roundtable, 745, 845. Came across this video yesterday on social media, and I just thought, I understand how if you're running an art gallery in a trendy neighborhood in San Francisco, you could be annoyed at the fact that there is a homeless person who is encamped in front of your operation. And in this case, you know, it's an art gallery called Foster Gwynn Gallery, downtown San Francisco. And so here's this guy trying to, let's face it, art is a luxury and it is something that very, very few people can afford. So it's a pretty high end piece of business. And you have somebody with a tent who on a daily basis is not only encamped directly outside of your operation, but also apparently a disruptive person in the neighborhood. Okay, I get that. But the video shows the owner of this art gallery very casually, like his one leg crossed against the other and leaning up against the brickwork of his art gallery, and he is hosing down this homeless woman. And I, I honestly, I just, I, I cannot relate to that level of soullessness, to that level of heartlessness, to that level of abject cruelty. And he's apologizing now. He's trying very, very hard to rehabilitate himself. But I would imagine he's probably also going to go out of business and fine, good on him. You know what? You are such a terrible person. That may have been one minute of horrible judgment, but you should pay for it. I totally understand what an awful thing that is to do. Mm. But I also understand what an awful thing it is to leave her on the streets. We called the police. There must be 25 calls on record. It's two days in a homeless shelter. It's two days in jail. And then they drop them right back on the street. This woman is... Um, it's a very, very sad situation, and she's very psychotic. I find it hard to apologize when we've had no help on this situation. Okay. I guess in the abstract, if you want to turn this into some sort of an intellectual exercise, that, you know, you reached a level of frustration with a homeless person and you would prefer that they be absorbed into the system and looked after, but I'm sorry. You hose down in the cold. San Francisco this time of year is maybe, you know, five, 
10 degrees warmer than it is in Toronto, but it's still fairly wintry and miserable, and you hose down a person, that is a level of disregard and a lack of compassion that is, quite frankly, unforgivable. So, like I said, we'll, we'll certainly talk about it. And I think the relevant issue is that we, yes, absolutely, we need to find a, a fix, a solution for our own homeless issues in Toronto. And I've been quite categorical in all of this, especially after having spent weeks you know, on the streets, in the encampments, talking to people, trying to get to the base of, of, of the issue. Um, I am not a supporter of the idea that people should be allowed to camp out. Where was I? I guess it was yesterday. I'm going to have to rewind the video in my brain to remember because I came across somebody who was camped out in a location. Actually, no, it was right outside of our front door here on Richmond Street this morning in coming in. And there was a guy who had created a, an encampment with a you know box and was fast asleep on the street. That is an inhumane situation for a person to be in, and it is also an untenable situation for a city, city to support. And when I'm going, for example, through uh, the underpasses under the Gardner Expressway on average day, and there are these people who in, are encamped, and they'll have like a bicycle and a shelter and a mattress and blankets, and sometimes some sort of a heating device, and they go off somewhere in the daytime and that stuff all stays there. These are unacceptable situations. But still, to hose somebody down for being in that situation is beyond grim. So a new poll is out asking Canadians how they feel about the economy. And we're probably not going to have a ton of time before we get to the news at 6, but I'll tell you what Canadians are saying. And what I find particularly interesting here is I know that they pretend that economics is a science, but it's not. Economics is about collective social psychology. So if Canadians are gloomy about the economy, then the economy is going to get gloomy. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.